Well, the Gonzaga Bulldogs and Washington Huskies are back in action after three years apart. Spencer McLaughlin of Locked On Pac-12 is here to preview the key matchups ahead of Friday's in-state rivalry. You are Locked On Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to bring you news and updates through another season of Gonzaga Hoops. Today's episode of Locked On Zags is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, more odds, and more lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Spencer, thanks again for coming on the show. As always, appreciate your insight into the Pac-12. Looking forward to talking about kind of the conference as a whole, specifically as you know they start to get into their conference season. But I want to lead the show talking about the Washington Huskies, Gonzaga's Friday evening opponent at the Kennel. First time these teams have played each other in a couple of years because of some non-conference scheduling challenges related to COVID-19. Uh, UW, of course, has has a pretty nice record. It looks good. 7-2, and two, nice win over St. Mary's. Uh, curious kind of really big turnover on this roster. Lots of new transfers coming in. Uh, kind of what the pulse is on this team and, and how they've looked so far this year. Well, an improvement. Certainly, over what they were a season ago. I think it's still too early to make a determination with regards to this is a conference contender, this is a tournament team. Washington, a program capable of doing that. I think it was... 2018, 19 or so, they were an eight or they had an eight nine yeah. seed game and they knocked off Utah State. So it, it's not as if they're not capable of being at that level. But I mean, mm-hmm. you have to love the start if you're Mike Hopkins. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he had been kind of on I don't know if thin ice or hot seat if it yeah. if it got totally that level. But I mean, you were starting to ask questions because last year's team it was not very good. But yeah. Andy, what world are we living in here mm-hmm. in calendar year 2020? Two, it is the age of the transfer yeah. portal. Yeah, it is the age of the transfer portal, and Washington goes out and gets Keon Brooks Jr. from Kentucky, and boom, there's your leading score. And he right. seems to have really revolutionized what they have done. He is a focal point for them at the offensive end mm-hmm. as their leading scorer. He's a big part of what they do defensively as well. Unfortunately for the Huskies. They just lost Frank Kepnong, who yeah. I remember, I, for those of you who don't know, I host Locked On Pac-12 and Locked On Ducks, hence the, the, the Oregon shirt. I was taping my Duck show just before I hopped on here. But Big Frank is the ideal backup center. And yeah. look, can you survive the loss of a backup center? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah you, you can. But would you rather have a good one mm-hmm. than, than not? Yeah, probably. And and he's a guy who can slide in and play starters minutes, big energy guy, great at the defensive end of the floor. It's a loss they'll have to atone for, but it's not one that is going to end their season, even though unfortunately it ends his. And I hate seeing that for a guy who I I really, really liked watching when he was with the Ducks. But bringing it back to Washington as a team here, you look at the record, you say seven and two. Okay. All right. But in college basketball, you always have to assess. I think even more so than college football, Andy, yeah. because there are more games. You have to assess what is that seven and two? Mm-hmm. What what does it really mean? Are you playing a bunch of non-division one schools to stack up W's, or do you have some legitimate wins? Who are your losses against? And mm-hmm. you know, Colorado is such an interesting team because they have some great wins, yeah. and they're under five hundred with some terrible losses, and you're just like, what? Mm-hmm. 
what, what what's going on? And I, I think Washington, you've got a little bit more clarity on mm-hmm. that front. You know, they lost to a team out of the whack in Cal Baptist, but whack men's basketball. I, I, I do TV play by play for a team that is now in the Western Athletic Conference in Southern Utah University. And whack men's basketball is no slouch. No, it's it not. Is, it is no slouch. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, Zags fans who are, you know, of course, in, in the WCC should be able to recognize that just because you're not power five doesn't mean you aren't right. good. That's more true in college basketball than in college football. So they have beaten, I, I think they beat Seattle U uh, mm-hmm. out of the whack. That was a really good team a year ago. They lost to Cal Baptist, which is, you know, a newer division one program, but looks pretty darn solid. Yeah. And they've got a good amount of money down there as well. So the, the resume overall is solid for this Washington mm-hmm. team. But, you know, as someone who doesn't know anything about either program might look mm-hmm. at the box score preview and say six and three Gonzaga seven and two Washington. Wait, why right. is, why is Gonzaga fair? Why is this? Yeah. Look from what I've seen this year, the Zags and mm-hmm. you know, I've watched them a good amount. Mm-hmm. It's not the best Gonzaga team. Mark few has, has ever had. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's even close to it, mm-hmm. but a not good Gonzaga team. Mm-hmm. That's like saying Nick Saban doesn't have his best Alabama team this year. Right. Yeah, they still won 10 games in the SEC. Yeah. You know how many programs at any point in time can win 10 games? Mississippi State does it like once a decade, right, right? In, in in the football <laughs> sense. So yeah. I, I think this is a solid Washington team. They, they've utilized the transfer portal well. Mm-hmm. And we've seen Mike Hopkins win before. And, you know, he's coaching with a decent amount of pressure. I think that makes for an opponent Gonzaga should be concerned about, should certainly be taking seriously. But when I look at the matchup, I say, yeah, I still expect the Zags to win. Yeah, I'm with you there 100%. And I think the Kepnong loss is, is a significant one in the sense that UW's not a good rebounding team. And, and they played two seven-foot guys when Frank was healthy. And Braxton Mia is the other one, Fresno State transfer, seven-foot-one. And they have those two guys. They're still outside the top 250 in rebounding. To me, the fairly obvious reasoning behind that is just the the over-reliance or I guess the reliance on the zone. You can have your own opinion whether it's an over-reliance or not, but when you play a zone as often as you do, it's hard to box out. It's hard to get rebounds. Uh, Drew Timmy had seven offensive rebounds against Kent State, a different caliber of opponent in some ways, but also a very good quality team. And, and for me, I think that's a lot of what this game is going to come down to is UW's going to dare Gonzaga shooters to shoot. Gonzaga shooters have been a bit inconsistent this year. I think there's going to be a lot of shots coming off the rim, but if Gonzaga can gobble up those offensive rebounds and win the battle on the boards, I have a really hard time seeing UW finding a way to stay in this game, especially with an offense that has been quite frankly, pretty inconsistent so far this year. And big Frank, uh, a loss of the defensive end when the Zags offense is running so heavily through mm-hmm. Drew Timmy. Yeah. You, you have your starter who you're going to throw at him, right? Mm-hmm. But you want to have a depth of bodies that you can defend a guy like Drew Timmy with. And Frank right. Kepnong would have been one of those guys. He's had at least one block in every game this series, had more than one in, I think, five or six of the Huskies game this season. That, that's what he does. He comes in, he gives you energy. He's going to bust his butt at the defensive end, block shots, an offensive dunk. He'll maybe hit a hook shot every now and then as well. He's not going to shoot it a ton, but it's the sort of guy you'd certainly love to have if you're Mike Hopkins going into this game when, when you see Drew Timmy on the other side because – if the Washington front court gets into foul trouble early in this game, mm-hmm. all, all, all bets are off. Yeah. Assuming Timmy can avoid the the same sort of bug on, on his side of things. And mm-hmm. he, he could be due for a, a big game there. And I, I think that's just a tough guy to lose. It'd be one thing if you lost a, a wing or a guard right. who, was, who was coming off the bench and playing significant minutes, minutes. But the fact that, that it was the one they called big Frank is, is mm-hmm. certainly 
I, I think more noteworthy given the matchup here with Gonzaga and Drew Timmy. Absolutely. Well, Spencer, conference realignment has been a, a huge, huge, can't even state it enough, talking point in college athletics for the last so year I've or noticed. so. Yeah, of course, right? <laughs> uh, obviously impacted the Pac-12 quite a bit between uh, USC and UCLA. We're going to talk about that a bunch in the second segment, what it could mean for the Pac-12, what it could mean for Gonzaga, all of that stuff right after a word here from Bet Online. Today's episode of Locked on Zags is brought to you by Bet Online. College basketball and the NBA are back in action college football is just getting into bowl season and of course the nfl remains in the thick of their season betonline.net is your number one source for all of your betting needs and sports information from all the latest odds contests and player props you name it betonline remains the best spot for all the latest sports developments including podcasts and reviews for all of the leagues this season and it's not just basketball BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino games. They even have lines for coaching changes across every major sport, so even in the offseason, you can get your fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, segment two, still Eddie Patton, still Locked On Zags. want to thank all of you for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. From the games that matter the most to the biggest stories in sports, go beyond the scoreboard and behind the scenes with local experts and insights that only Locked On can provide. Locked On Sports Today, available on this app, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. All right, Spencer, the Pac-12 took a massive hit in both football and basketball with the presumed move of USC and UCLA over to the Big Ten. Of course, this happened a while ago. There was the expectation kind of right after it happened that a whole bunch of dominoes were going to fall and a whole bunch of more moves were going to happen. That hasn't been the case just yet, but of course, rumors have continued to swirl and fly around around the Pac-12 in general, of course, around Gonzaga as well. I want to get to that in a minute, but I really want to talk about at first, at least the most likely or seemingly most likely replacement that the Pac-12 may consider adding. This is, of course, depending on what happens with UCLA and the Regents meetings and everything going on there. But it does look like San Diego State, because of their location, because of the media, uh, the media market there, their obviously football program, basketball program does seem like a potential fit to jump into the Pac-12 Because this is a Zags podcast, I want to focus mostly on the basketball element of that move. But I'm curious if that's something that you think may be coming down the pipeline and what it would do for the Pac-12 as a basketball conference. I don't think it's a potential fit. I think it's the obvious fit because you're in Southern California and you're losing the Los Angeles market now, which is, you know, one of the biggest in, Mm -hmm. in the entire country. And there are a lot of people in Southern California and you have to try and recapture that area because there's still a lot of people down there. And, you know, I, I get... I roll my eyes at people uh, who, you know, comment on Locked On Pac-12 when I say like, yeah, it's an obvious choice because they're in Southern California. Oh, well, you know, San Diego, it's not the same as Los Angeles. Like, dude, I didn't say it was. We're just looking at what is practical right. here. What is logical? What is the mm-hmm. best you can do? Right. I was hosting a sports talk radio show back when COVID got going and the nba rolled out the bubble and look the bubble was whatever you you want to make of it and such but my take on it at the time was they're doing the best they can and they're trying to make the best of a bad situation and you don't this is not what they would choose it's not what they would like to have happen same thing with san diego state and and coming to the pac-12 right Mm -hmm. 
it's not the LA market. Right. It's different. Mm-hmm. However, it's Southern California. You've got geographical proximity. You've got some program tradition. Yeah. And though you're not going to have the same sort of viewership power that you had with Los Angeles, mm-hmm. San Diego is still a pretty decently yeah. sized market yeah. compared to the other teams you could consider. One name that I've thrown out there from mm-hmm. a football and basketball sense is Boise State. Yeah. But do you know how many people are in Boise, Andy? Right. The yeah. answer is not very many. Right. And exactly. that's a consideration. You've got more in San Diego. You've got fans who, you know, maybe they grew up San Diego State fans, but they live in Los Angeles now. There's just more people. You got to be on people's TVs down mm-hmm. in, in that area as much as possible. So geographically, it does make a lot of sense. From an athletics perspective, they've had some really good football seasons, but they've had some great basketball seasons. And speaking of COVID, they are all asking what might have been. And I, as a Duck fan, also wonder on the women's side, what might have been. Had that that Oregon team with Sabrina and two other Mm first-rounders, they beat Team USA. Yeah. And a script like they were winning it all. Huge. Mm-hmm. What if, but San Diego state has the same thing. They were going to be a number one seed mm-hmm. and correct me if I'm wrong. That was a team that had KJ Fagan, former, uh, former Santa yep. Clara Bronco, which they is did, my yeah. alma mater. And mm-hmm. they had Malachi Flynn as well. Mm-hmm. Like they had some really good guards and they were a very good team. So from a football standpoint, they've been a little up and down. They recovered mm-hmm. after a slow start this year. The mm-hmm. reputation is okay on that side. But when you talk about it in a basketball sense, it makes it even more clear that San Diego State is the logical choice to mm-hmm. put into the Pac-12. Plus, just you know, say it out loud. Like Los Angeles doesn't sound like a Big Ten school, but apparently it's going to be. But right. San Diego yeah. is a Pac-12. Yes. Like yeah. it just yeah. goes together, right? You think Pac-12 mm-hmm. and the cities that are that are there and the schools mm-hmm. that are there, you think San Diego. And San Diego yeah. State is the the logical team to add there. And they would bring a ton from a basketball perspective. I mean, it's yeah. a perennial top 25, top 10 capable team. They haven't had the years like Gonzaga's had as a mid-major team making deep runs mm-hmm. into the, the NCAA tournament. But mm-hmm. being there it is yeah. a value you can add, especially when you're losing a team like UCLA. I think USC is a loss as well with Andy Enfield, who's a good yeah. coach. But right. the bigger loss in a basketball sense is UCLA. And that's a team that gets to the tournament every year right Mm -hmm. and that brings in money for the conference and that brings attention all that sort of stuff and Mm -hmm. san diego state even if they make the jump to the pac-12 they're going to be better than a number of pac-12 programs cal is not even a power five program in men's (laughs) basketball right now washington state is consistently just okay even with a good coach and kyle smith and Mm -hmm. you, you just go up and down you say yeah that's an opportunity to where is their record going to be 28 and four every year? No, but can they go 23 and eight? Yeah, I, I think they really can and be a consistent tournament caliber program. And that's what you're looking for if you're the Pac-12. So I think San Diego State makes a lot of sense. You're, you're talking about the, the media markets. And I think that that's a really interesting dynamic about this. And certainly a part of this conversation that dramatically impacts Gonzaga, because you're talking about San Diego as like the most ideal media market for some of the schools that have been in this conversation for the Pac-12. And I know that uh, John Canzano has mentioned SMU as a program that makes some sense. They're, of course, located in Dallas. Uh, You talked about Boise State. And then UNLV is another program that has come up for their proximity to Las Vegas. So if you're looking at like strip everything else, remove the basketball success, remove the football conversation, remove the size of the school, all of that stuff, and you're just looking at media markets and your conversation is Dallas, San Diego, Las Vegas, Boise, and Spokane, 
you can understand why there there might be some the hesitation from the Pac-12 about potentially adding Gonzaga. But Gonzaga does add something that I mean, they add a consistent national brand. They add a, a program that ESPN absolutely loves and loves to feature them significantly. Uh, their TV, you know, the, the viewership for their TV games is monstrous, but there is a significant downfall in terms of just the size of the media market specifically. I wonder how much you think that that is a factor here, especially now that Gonzaga has been very publicly open in negotiations with the Big 12 and other Power 5 conferences, how much that has potentially swung the needle in terms of the Pac-12's interest here. Yeah, and I, I laid out a while ago on, on Locked on Pac-12 the criteria that George Klyovkov discussed, and, and I'm sure people listening or watching can can Google it and mm-hmm. uh, you know correct me if I get this order wrong. In fact, I don't remember it specifically, but basically he said, look, when we're considering expansion, which of course they are, and right. I expect an announcement here probably in the next month or two on, on that front, they're considering a variety of factors. Number one, is there a geographical fit or a geographical advantage, right? Number two, and that was basically a covert way of saying, is it a valuable media market? And also, like, does it make sense? San Diego makes makes a lot of sense. Sure. They're also looking at athletic competitiveness. They're Mm -hmm. looking at academics. They're looking at an effect on student athletes. There are a lot of criteria they're going for. But Mm -hmm. since we're on the subject, Andy, if Mm -hmm. I were George Klyovkov, here's Mm -hmm. what I would do. Let's assume that the UC Board of Regents does not have the power, which it does not appear they do, right. to force UCLA to stay despite their commitment to, to Cal, which is also part of the UC system at right. UC Berkeley. Let's say what we know right now, USC mm-hmm. and UCLA gone. So the right. Pac-12 is once again the Pac-10, and they now need to expand. I think they should go the Big 12 route, mm-hmm. and I think they should add San Diego State, Mm-hmm. And then I think you go dip into Texas. Yeah, I would go I, because clearly we are throwing geography <laughs> out the window. Yeah. We don't care as yeah. a whole in college sports. That was mm-hmm. part of the reason that USC UCLA announcement was so revolutionary, right. so earth shattering, because it was like, whoa, what do you mean? L.A. is mm-hmm. going to play in the Big Ten. Yeah. USC is going to play Rutgers and Maryland. They're right. going to go all the way across the country. If you're throwing that out, and the Big 12, I think, is doing this too. They've got UCF coming in. Right. Nobody else from Florida is there, right? They've got BYU UCF out in Utah. Yeah. yeah, UCF and BYU. Cincinnati is up in this part of the, of the country, depending yeah. on how you're looking at it and how you're feeling. Anyway, so we understand that. I would go into Texas if I were the Pac-12, yeah. and I would try and find four schools that you can add. I would go San Diego State. I would go SMU. I would go UTSA. That is an increasingly growing football Mm -hmm. brand. That is not as much. I I don't know much about their men's basketball, full disclosure, but they're the Conference USA champs. They're Mm -hmm. an 11-win team this year. They won 12 games a season ago. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, if you're trying to make a splash move, yeah. and say that your league is strong. I think what the Big 12 is doing is really smart. And that's saying, look, Houston is in our geographical footprint. Okay, we add them. But we're going to add Cincinnati from the northeast part of the country. We're going to add BYU from over there. And we're going to add UCF from over there. And I think I'm pointing in the wrong directions because, you know, right is left when I'm looking at myself on the screen and twisting myself into not like a pretzel here. But you understand the point I'm making. They're branching out in that sense. So Mm -hmm. I would consider those sorts of schools. And maybe 
you know, I don't know what the third school in Texas would be or what the, the third school or the fourth school rather in addition to those three would be, right. but I'd say UTSA, mm-hmm. I'd say SMU, mm-hmm. I'd say San Diego state. Mm-hmm. And then I, you know, there are a lot of other options. I would go with Boise state personally, because mm-hmm. though they don't have a big media market footprint, what they do have is a big time brand. Like yeah. people yeah. in my generation, Oh yeah. We grew up with Boise State as the Cinderella, not yeah. a Cinderella. That was the Cinderella in college football. Mm-hmm. They, and that is an ingrained thing. They are still a good program in the Mountain West. You could also look at a place like Fresno State mm-hmm. that that won the Mountain West Championship in football this year. Mm-hmm. I want to say they've been in the tournament before yeah. on on the men's side, so that could yeah. potentially be be an option. So maybe you go to Texas, to California. A lot of different ways they they could go, but that's what I would do. Is I'd go UTSA and SMU, and then San Diego State. I I personally would go Boise, but if they went with Fresno, I'd understand that as well. It just puts Gonzaga in such an interesting spot that I'm really curious how that's going to shake out for them because. By all accounts, the Big 12 interest is legitimate. I, I don't think that it's the smokescreen or anything like that. They have had conversations. What's the advantage to leaving, though? Sorry to cut you off, but yeah, like, no. if you're going, if you're Gonzaga, mm-hmm. why do you want to change? Yeah, what you money. have right now. <laughs> I mean, money is money is obviously a factor. Uh, yeah, in that sense, but I, I do think it's interesting because what Gonzaga has been able to do very recently and what they were not able to do previously is they are able to schedule ridiculous, challenging non-conference schedules. And they weren't able to do that before. And you look at a program like St. Mary's, which is on a vaguely similar trajectory to Gonzaga, just, you know, six, eight years behind or so. And they're struggling with the same things. They got to play Houston this year, which was fantastic. A huge, huge non-conference game for them. But I don't think they have like any power five teams on their non-conference schedule. They have like Dayton and a couple other really good mid-majors. But when you are a really good mid-major program, power five teams don't want to play you. They sure as hell don't want to play you at home. And so you can't get those really big games. And then you have a, a conference slate that's not as good. The WCC is a good basketball conference. I will say that until the day they take this podcast away from me, but it is not as good as the power five conferences. It is not as good as the big, uh, as the big East. It's just not as deep top to bottom. And so for Gonzaga, now that they can schedule these premier non-conference schedules, and I mean, look at their schedule this year. It's absolutely insane what they have done this year and who they have played this year. And that's with them not quite getting the, the traditional blue bloods even in the big in the Phil Knight Invitational. So I think for Gonzaga, it's more about how can we generate more money, generate more revenue, uh, build our brand into a sense where it's it's just more respected nationally because it's in a bigger conference. But yeah, you do lose the element of like, hey, we can you know, we, we have a bit of a safety net in the WCC and there's no, that's not a secret. That's not a surprise. I think Mark Few wants to prove he can do it without it. And maybe that's the, as, as big of the reason as there possibly is. But uh, I, I do think that it's, it's one of those things that you could definitely make a strong argument that staying isn't necessarily the worst thing for Gonzaga to do. I, I don't think it is because, you know, it is, is money, you know, a little bit uh, of extra cash. Is that what's holding Gonzaga back from winning a national championship? I would argue no. Right. Are they not able to get high-level recruits? Again, I'm going to sit here and argue no, and I imagine right. Gonzaga fans are going to agree with me. Right. And you have that reputation as the premier mm-hmm. non-Power 5 team mid-major basketball brand in, in the country, right. really. Right. I think for football, it's Boise State, and for 
basketball, it's Gonzaga in terms of non-Power 5 teams that people know outside of just the immediate fan base and and bubble. And so you jeopardize that going Mm -hmm. to the Big 12 because it is a higher level of competition in league plays. Gonzaga is is learning this year. And when you don't have your best team, you're not going to look up at the end of the season and say, Hey, look, we're 30 and two. This is right. This is great. Right. It's not yeah. going to be like that. It doesn't mean they couldn't be good. They'd be a tournament team every year. I wouldn't be worried about that. Sure. But you just introduce, you know, it's what, what is the money worth? Right. right. USC and UCLA, they feel like the Big Ten is more competitive, though they are just ruining what is a perfectly yeah, yeah. great Pac-12 yeah. uh, in, in, a, in a football sense and, yeah. and basketball, too. But yeah. particularly in football, they've got six teams in the final college football playoff rankings. Like the league looks really strong. How Deion Sanders is there. Like yeah, yeah. they're ruining a perfectly good thing. But anyway, so I, I really feel like if you're Gonzaga, mm-hmm. look, money is money talks bleep walks right like mm-hmm. i think everybody's heard that phrase once or sure. twice before so yeah. if that's the appeal i get it i just think from a basketball sense mm-hmm. i don't think it's what gonzaga needs to get respect they can schedule quality opponents they can mm-hmm. you know get big games they can get big players they mm-hmm. can win a national championship playing in the wcc yeah. i know that because they've been to that game twice in the right. last five seasons yeah yeah, they have proven without a shadow of a doubt that they can get there. So that is, yes. that is absolutely true. Uh, Spencer, I want to talk a, a bit more about the current Pac-12 as opposed to the teams that are leaving or the teams that might be coming in. Uh, let's talk about the teams that are actually there uh, and that are playing some hoops right now. Uh, I know one of the longtime kind of jokes or reputations that the Pac-12 has had is, is about cannibalizing itself, specifically in football. They have a, an incredible reputation of... of oh, uh, we're so good at it, man. So we're, at it. We, are, we are elite. elite we are elite. elite. It, it, it translates, it permeates basketball too. And obviously we're way too early in the season for there to be any back-breaking losses. But of course the, the Pac-12 slate opens up and Arizona gets beat by Utah just immediately establishing that kind of reputation for the Pac-12 of kind of beating itself up a little bit. Uh, to me, looking at the Pac-12 this year, it looks about as top-heavy as I can really remember it being. You have two very good teams in Arizona and UCLA. You have a team that should probably be a little bit better in Oregon, although they have dealt with significant injury issues early in the season. Significant uh, and then, injuries. Andy, you are underselling it big time there, my friend. <laughs> were they like five <laughs> healthy players? In one of their uh, they were starting a walk-on against 12th-ranked Michigan State. They were playing three walk-ons over the course of the game. You can just <laughs> let that hang out in the ether and people yeah. can get an understanding of what's no, I, going I, on. I, it's worth every time people talk about Oregon start this year. I think that's an important detail because yeah, they haven't played particularly well, but they have not been healthy at any point nope. uh, this season. But by and large, we're talking about a PAC 12 that last year, very few tournament teams, a disappointing season without a shadow of a doubt for the PAC 12 this year. It seems like things are looking a little bit better. Arizona state it rebuilt their entire roster for both football and basketball, quite frankly, but uh, is in a much better spot with the Cambridge brothers and kind of what they've done. Uh, Obviously, Arizona, UCLA are the top teams, but kind of do you have a sense or a guess on how many other teams might really realistically push towards the top of the conference this year? I think Arizona is a step above everybody else, and that includes UCLA, who's solid, but I watch them and say, "Uh, that's a pretty good team, but it Mm -hmm. kind of feels like they're missing Johnny Juzang because I think they are. and. You know, it's a it's going to be probably a top twenty five team at mm-hmm. at the end of the year, and they are they, they've got a good coach, they're a good mm-hmm. program. No no doubts about that. But yeah. 
you know, you're kind of lumping them in the same class as Arizona. And though Arizona had a stumble against Utah, mm-hmm. who is, you know, anytime they do anything in basketball, it's the surprise of the year in the Pac-12. Yeah. <laughs> literally, literally at any yeah. point in time, let alone that they, like Washington, are also 7-2. and two. Yeah. I think Arizona is a step above everybody else. Yeah. And I think Arizona, as you all know, has got the right coach. Yes. And he does a lot of Gonzaga-like things Mm -hmm. down there. And I think that he is doing a really good job. He's had to replace a lot of talent. I think that's why they had this stumble, because they're still kind of finding their chemistry too. Mm -hmm. But I think they are really, really good. And I I struggle to pick against them right now. But, you know, you mentioned earlier that it seems like it's kind of top-heavy. I think right now we're in this kind of – in between phase on on yep. being able to make a distinct claim yeah. about that because you look at Utah seven and two, you look at Washington seven and two, and you right. look at Arizona State is off to a good start. Mm-hmm. Well, if you have Arizona and UCLA up here, and one of those teams ends the year in the top twenty five, like the likelihood of three non traditionally strong men's basketball teams all being good at the same time. Right. Probably not the case. A couple of them are probably fool's gold. But I'll be willing to bet, and my money's on Arizona State, that one of them is not. Yeah. And so if you can add that class in there, and then the other two continue this mm-hmm. run of at least moderate success over the course of the year, yeah. and then Oregon gets healthy, yeah. suddenly you're looking at a league where, well, what is your seventh best team, like Colorado, mm-hmm. who is capable of beating Tennessee? Right. Or Kyle Smith up there at, at Washington State. Yep. I don't know that their team is is that great this year, but you know, as long as you disregard Cal, right. <laughs> just just throw them, just mm-hmm. just just throw it away. Yeah, I'd be willing to bet that the Pac-12 ends up being a little stronger than people think. But the mm-hmm. reason it's undervalued right now, on the whole, is that the teams that look like they could be notable players in the league are non-traditional men's basketball powers right in arizona state washington and utah right my money's on asu being able to sustain that success Mm -hmm. and the other two probably regress to the mean a little bit i don't think it's a super strong year for the pac-12 overall i think their final four hopes are arizona or bust yeah and you know, UCLA's good, but I can't see him getting past the Elite Eight. And I really think that's a Sweet Six team and out team, at least at this point in time, right? A lot can change between now and that sure. beautiful, wonderful, exciting, brilliant month of March. But overall, there, there's a lot of things to watch. And, you know, is Colorado going to figure it out and get back to the way they played? Or did they just pull not one, but two notable upsets that just completely caught people off guard? And right. that's all they're going to do this year. But... Going back to our cannibalism conversation, which is always a disturbing term to use in some sense, but <laughs> Colorado could be that team that yeah. really spoils, that gives the team yeah. a bad loss. And frankly, Oregon could be that because mm-hmm. Oregon has a lot of talent, has a really good coach, capable of being good, has an experienced point guard in Will Richardson that's yeah. been an all-conference performer in years past. If and hopefully when... <laughs> I cross my fingers on when mm-hmm. they get fully healthy. Is that a team that makes a run yep. in not the deepest Pac-12 or strongest Pac-12 in the world in the conference tournament like they did in 2019 all the way to the Sweet 16? I could see that happening, but they have to get healthy, and that is just 
you know, for most teams, like, oh, well, they just need to get this guy or this guy back. No, Oregon needs to get like three or four guys back. They've yeah. been missing a bunch. Brennan yeah. Rigsby's been out for several, has mm. only played in a couple games. Like, it's it's bonkers. I give you 20 minutes on Oregon's ridiculous injury situation, but <laughs> that's kind of where the Pac 12 is. I'm yeah. fascinated to see which of those three hot start, lower brand basketball teams continue that success. I don't expect it to be Washington in this Gonzaga game, but I think Arizona State, then Washington, then Utah, most likely in that order to look up at the end of the year and be able to get an at-large. Spencer, so much. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come on the show to talk Pac-12 hoops, to preview this this UW game, some exciting stuff coming down the pipeline for the Zags, uh, and obviously uh, going to be fun to check out the Pac-12 this year. So thanks again. Uh, you want to let people know where they can find the podcast, where they can find you if they're interested in, in learning more about the Pac-12. Yeah, I'm uh, on Twitter at Smalls underscore 55 and Locked on Pac-12 is available on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts Monday through Friday. We're talking a lot of football this time of year, but we are uh, on the cusp of turning the corner to, to basketball. Once bowl season kind of all settles down, it'll be uh, you know almost strictly basketball up, up through March. But so, so, so much going on. And an announcement is expected. There's no date. I'm just kind of mm -hmm. speculating here. Next month or two, I bet they announced San Diego State, and if they have another team to throw in there, then, you know, I'd expect that to, to come sooner rather, well, depending on what your mindset is for sooner rather rather than later. But we cover it all on Locked On Pac-12, so check it out if you would like. And Andy, it's always great to be on with you, man. Love me some college hoops. Absolutely, man. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you all for listening to the podcast. Enjoy the game on Friday. Go Zags. Of course, as always, we'll have plenty more great content coming your way next week.